Welcome to Gospel Mission Church's message podcast. We pray that God will meet you in this time with a fresh revelation of His love for you and that you will be challenged to align with the amazing plans that God has waiting for you. We hope you enjoy this week's message. Well, good morning, church. How are you doing this morning? It's good to be together, right? It's good to worship together. Such an awesome morning to come together, right? So, hey, we're going to start with prayer and we're going to get into the word. I hope you're ready for what God has for us. Father, thank you that you're here. Thank you that you're moving in our hearts. Thank you that you, you inhabit the praise of your people. And so we believe your presence is here. And we just invite you, God, now through your word to just, just speak truth. God, that your truth would, would penetrate our hearts in a new and fresh way again this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, you guys good? Yeah? Okay, awesome. Well, we're in this series of Brick by Brick. How have you guys enjoyed the series so far? Has it been good? Yeah, Pastor Claude and Pastor Brenton have done chapter one and chapter two of Nehemiah, but we're, we're, we're learning from Nehemiah in this series. And so it's, it's been really, really good. If you haven't already seen those first two or haven't heard those first two messages, invite you to go to our website and invite you to listen to those. They're, they're powerful. And, and like I said, this is a series that we're working through, so you got to catch them all, okay? Um, just to give you a little bit more context and just to kind of refresh this story of Nehemiah, I'm just going to give you a little bit of backstory. Um, this, this story of Nehemiah and rebuilding the wall, it takes place in 444 BC. And about 70 years before that is when the Babylonians kind of came in, took over Jerusalem, tore down the temple, tore down all the walls and just ruined everything. And then took everyone there captive into Babylon. And uh, so 70 years of captivity and that's when God decides that he wants to rebuild Israel rebuild Israel. And so he uses Ezra, first of all, to, to come and, and back to Jerusalem and to, to build the temple and restore worship in the temple. And then 13 years later is when Nehemiah comes along and he leads the people in um, rebuilding this wall um, so that they would again have this added protection against their enemies. That was a thing that, that, that they did back then. And so, like I said, we've been through chapter one and chapter two. We're going to be in chapter three this morning. And, and so what chapter three is all about is it basically breaks down who built which section of the wall. And uh, it, it's, it's almost completely, it's, it's, it literally is just a list of everybody and which section of the wall they built. And we could read this and think, like, this really was just a record of who built what. And it made me wonder, like, did they, did they do this just so that they had a record of who built what? So if they had any structural issues down the road, they knew who to kind of come after or, or what this was about. But we know there's so much more in Nehemiah 3 than just a record. I think there's some, there's some important principles that we can see that were needed in rebuilding this wall. So just to help us understand a little bit what this wall might have looked like, I want to show you a picture um, this kind of gives you, I know you probably can't see it, this is the best picture I could grab, but um, it kind of gives you an idea of what the, the shape of Jerusalem might have been in the wall that they were building. And so Nehemiah works through who built which section, and it kind of starts at the top right, way up 
at the sheep gate and, and Nehemiah 3 just kind of goes through counterclockwise and all the way around just listing who built what. Um, and so there was, in this wall, there was at least 10 gates to be rebuilt as well and there was at least eight towers to be rebuilt as well. So not only was this, as well, so not only was this a, a, a giant wall, probably 40 feet high, um, you know, and eight feet wide, probably two miles or even more long in, in, in complete distance all the way around. Um, but there was so much to do. This was a massive, massive project, right? And so Nehemiah, um, like I said, it, it lists all of this. So I'm going to read a few chunks of Nehemiah 3 just to give us a really good feel of what's going on in this chapter. Eliashib, the high priest, and his fellow priests, so this is Nehemiah 3, 1 through 4, his fellow priests went to work and rebuilt the sheep gate. They dedicated it and set its doors in place, building as far as the tower of the hundred, which they dedicated, and as far as the tower of Hananel. The men of Jericho built the adjoining section, and Zachur, son of Imri, built next to them. The fish gate was rebuilt by the sons of Hasenaah. They laid its beams and put its doors and bolts and bars in place. Merimoth, son of Uriah, the son of Hakaz, repaired the next section. And next to him, Meshalem, son of Berechiah, the son of Meshezebel, made repairs. And next to him, Zadok, son of Banna, also made repairs. I, I can't help but read this with a smile because these names are kind of tough. Um, these, names are, these names are difficult. Uh, we have four young children, and we probably should have had some inspiration for naming our kids out of this, out of this chapter, but um, I, I don't think we did. These, 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 are, these are important names, but, but boy, they're tough to pronounce. I even practiced, you know, um, so that I wouldn't butcher them too badly, but... We can see that the, the chapter just continues on like this, and it's just listing who built which part, and we can already start to see this is an all-hands-on-deck kind of a project. All-hands-on-deck, right? Look at verse 8. Uziel, son of Hariah, one of the goldsmiths, repaired the next section. He was a goldsmith building a wall, right? And then Hananiah, one of the perfume makers, made repairs next to that. They restored Jerusalem as far as the broad wall. And it just continues right through if we jump down to verse 28 and 29. Above the horse gate, the priests made repairs, each in front of his own house. Next to them, Zadok, son of Immer, made repairs opposite of his house. And next to him, Shemamiah, son of Shekaniah, the guard of the east gate made repairs. So we see goldsmiths, we see perfume makers, we see priests. Um, in the one verse in, in Nehemiah 3, it says one of, the, one of the men brought his daughters along to help. And it, it was just very clear that this is an all hands on deck kind of a project. And, and Nehemiah, he's at the heart of it all. He's the one organizing and, and, and kind of orchestrating all of these different sections and assigning different sections to different people. And, and there was a lot of sections, right? But under his leadership, everybody had an assignment. Everybody had an assignment. And that's the first thing that I want us to take away from Nehemiah 3 this morning is that you have an assignment. You have an assignment. We all have an assignment. Nehemiah was a wall builder, 
But we are kingdom builders, and in this bigger picture of God's kingdom, you have an assignment. Each of us does. God has an important work that he wants to do through you. It doesn't matter if you're young or old or whatever your day job might be, whatever your skill set or your, your, your giftings might be, it doesn't matter. The truth is that he wants to use those things and he wants to work through you. He wants you to engage in his kingdom like these wall builders. Look what it says in Ephesians 2, verse 8 to 10. It says, for it is by grace you have been saved through faith. This is not from yourselves. It's the gift of God, not by works, so that no one can boast. Then in verse 10 it says, for we are God's handiwork, created in Christ Jesus to do good works which God prepared in advance for us to do. We can see very clearly, Paul is kind of reminding us, I think he already knows where, where our minds sometimes go. It's, it's not about earning salvation. So he kind of reminds us of that in verse eight and nine. It's not by works. It's not that you earn your salvation by works, but don't miss the truth in verse 10 where it says we are his handiwork created in Christ Jesus to do good works. So, so we don't try to earn our salvation. Our works are not our salvation, but our works are a product of our salvation, a result of our salvation, right? And so we're saved by his grace, and now we get to be kingdom builders. That's how that works. And so you, we were created for good works, meaning God has an assignment for you. He has something specific and important in his kingdom that he wants you to do. And I think sometimes we struggle with this. Or sometimes it just kind of hits the back burner for, for a variety of reasons. We might struggle with this, this reality or this, this calling to engage in God's kingdom. And for some of us, it might be fear of people, like fear of standing out or because sometimes kingdom work, it, it looks different than other work around us, right? Sometimes it's fear of people. Sometimes it's... it's um, you know, just the fear of the unknown. Sometimes it's stepping out of, of what we know, and that's really, really challenging. Stepping outside of what we're comfortable with, what we've, what we've done a lot of, you know. Sometimes God calls us out of that, and that's stretching in kingdom work, right? Sometimes it's, it's, it's comparison, right? We, 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 we get stuck in this place of comparing ourselves with other people, and we either conclude that we're not good enough or we're too good or, or, or whatever, or we just don't have those giftings that th that person has. And it's like we, we get caught in this comparison. Or maybe we struggle to engage in God's kingdom because of hurts in our past. Or, or maybe even being hurt by the church. Someone in the church, you know. Maybe it's, you know, we've just lost focus or, or, or just gotten busy or distracted. And for some of us, you know, maybe we've been, we've been walking in our assignment, but, but start to drift away or, or, or doubt creeps in, right? We start to just wonder, how could my role really be that important, you know? In a, in a big church, you know, with lots of people that could probably do all the same things, right? That's sometimes what we think. There's so many reasons we could hesitate to engage in God's kingdom. But imagine 
If the people in Nehemiah had had these mindsets, imagine if they had been in, in these thoughts and, and they had just let these thoughts kind of rule their direction. Imagine if they had just not built their section. <laughs> there would have been missing pieces of the wall. And if you have missing pieces in a wall, that's not even a wall, right? Like their, their enemies could have just waltzed right in at any point, you know? And their goal would have, their, their mission would have been a failure because there was missing pieces. And in the same way, we have an assignment. Each of us has an assignment. If we don't set, stand up and say yes to our assignment, yes, God, there's gonna be missing pieces, missing sections in what God has for our church, for our communities, for our workplaces, our families. I really believe that. We have something to contribute. God wants to work through you. He has an assignment for you. Look what it says. 1 Corinthians 12 12 to 19. Just as a body, though one, has many parts, but all its many parts form one body, so it is with Christ. For we were all baptized by one spirit so as to form one body, whether Jews or Gentiles, slave or free, and we were all given the one spirit to drink. Even so, the body is not made up of one part, but of many saying we all have a function and a role to play, right? The 15, now if the foot should say, because I'm not a hand, I don't belong to the body, it would not for that reason stop being part of the body. And if the ear should say, because I'm not an eye, I do not belong to the body, it would not for that reason stop being part of the body. If the whole body were an eye, where would the sense of hearing be? If the whole body where an ear, where would the sense of smell be? But in fact, listen, in fact, God has placed the parts in the body, every one of them, just as he wanted them to be. If they were all one part, where would the body be? God has placed every one of us just as he wants us to be. With our specific giftings, our specific purpose, he's placed us where he wants us to be. It's by his design. Just like a body, a human body has a lot of parts that have to, that have to, to, to work in order for a body to be complete, in order for a body to, to function as a normal human body, we need a lot of different parts, right? And so in the same way, we all have a specific function to contribute to the body. It's simple but so important. The church needs you. Our communities need you. There's nobody in a better position to reach your family and friends than you. There's nobody in a better position to reach your workplace than you. This is something I, I've, I've said so many times in my years of youth ministry is, is to students, guys, there is nobody in a better position to reach the people in your schools than you, right? We have to believe in the assignment that we have, not wait for others to do it, but to step up because we're needed. We have something to contribute. And I encourage you, believe in your assignment. Believe in your assignment and, and, and 
just know that, that God wants to do something through you. I, I, I think that some of us struggle to believe that, and I'm here to remind us again. Know it, believe it. And I encourage you, give God your yes. Open up to him no matter where you are or where you've been, whatever your hurts or hesitations might be. Give him your yes. God, I, I give you my yes no matter what and, and watch him work through you. I, I really believe we, we've got to just grab a hold of this idea that we are kingdom builders. Bring that back to the forefront of our minds, right? Be reminded of that over and over. And so let's ask God, God, which section of this wall are you calling me to build? Which section are you calling me to build? What's the function that you're calling me to? If it's not clear, ask him. God, where have you planted me and what do you want me to do here? God, if I've lost my passion for my assignment, restore that passion. You have an assignment. That's the first thing. The second thing is that your assignment requires teamwork. Your assignment requires teamwork. We see in Nehemiah 3 the phrase, next to them. We see that over and over, and it's a beautiful picture. Like imagine all of the family groups and all of the people groups that were working next to each other as they were building this massive project. Think about the amount of teamwork that would have been required to build this huge wall in just 52 days. Each building their own section, but next to each other. Talk about awesome, right? Teamwork is powerful. And not only is it powerful, but it's God's design for the church. It's God's design. We need each other. We were created to function together as a body, right? Let's go back to 1 Corinthians 12 and continue in verse 20 through 27. It says, as it is, there are many parts but one body. The eye cannot say to the hand, I don't need you. The head cannot say to the feet, I don't need you. On the contrary, these parts of the body that seem to be weaker are indispensable, and the parts that we think are less honorable we treat with special honor. The parts that are unpresentable are treated with special modesty, while our presentable parts need no special treatment. And then listen, but God has put the body together, giving greater honor to the parts that lacked it, so that there should be no division in the body, but that its parts should have equal concern for each other. If one part suffers, every part suffers with it. If one part is honored, every part rejoices with it. And then 27, now you are the body of Christ and each one of you is a part of it. We can't escape it, right? It's just truth right there. And, and there's so much that I could say about this passage, but I want us to catch that truth that we need each other. We can't say to each other, we don't need each other and we have to realize that we're, we're part of it. We're the body together. God has put us together. There should be no division. There should be no division. And, and so, like I said in my first point, each part, we have an assignment. We have a function. But we're designed for those functions to come together. We're, we're designed, if you think about um, the, this illustration of the human body that Paul is using, we're designed to be interdependent, just like our bodies are interdependent, right? 
It's like our hand, right? It's designed to be connected to the wrist and then the arm and then the shoulder. Like this hand without any other connection, kind of helpless, right? It's not going to do a lot of good. And so we are interdependent. And that's the illustration Paul is using because he wants us to see we are built to work in a team interdependently with each other. We need each other. If we want to accomplish our assignment, we need each other. We're not designed to be effective when we're alone. Romans 12, verse 4 and 5, it says it this way, just as our bodies have many parts and each part has a special function, so it is with Christ's body. Look at this. It says we are many parts of one body and we all belong to each other. We all belong to each other. We're, we're many parts, but we belong to each other. We're built for teamwork. I, I want to show you a simple illustration. Probably don't have to wonder what age my kids are when I pull these out. <laughs> The people of Israel, their, their job, their goal was to build a wall that would keep their enemies out. But imagine if each of the people groups and the families had just been building their wall, their section like this. And that's, that's just how they're building it. It's just section next to section but when it comes down to it, if they're not connected, it's really easy to just break this wall, right? I mean, they would have failed. The, the, the enemies would have just popped their way right through the wall. It would have been so easy to penetrate this wall. They would have failed the mission that God was calling them to. Anybody that's ever played Lego, I know these are mega blocks, but... Anybody that's ever played Lego knows that this is how you build a strong wall, right? You, you, the, the pieces are integrated into each other. You see how they're integrated, they're connected. Each section has to be connected and integrated into the next in order for there to be strength in the wall. This is strong. I'd like to see the Babylonians get through that. Come on. In the same way, we, we have to work together as a body, as a church that's, that's connected, intertwined, integrated lives and ministries, just like the people of Israel would have had to. They would have had to work together to build this kind of a wall next to them. They, 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 they would have had to be in close relationship, planning together, working together for this to be strong. And like I said, in the same way, this is how we're called to live as a church, integrating ourselves into each other's lives and ministries to fulfill the calling that God has for us. This means we do life together. This means that, that, that we get involved in ministries together. And, and this looks different ways. I, I know it does, but one example that I've been a part of 
for, for a lot of years is in the context of youth ministry where as a team of volunteers, volunteer leaders, we, we come together and with different giftings and different abilities with the common goal of, of ministering to students and loving on students and being God's hands and feet in that context of ministry, we become this really tight-knit group of people who, who do life together and, and support each other in so many different ways. And that's just one example, but isn't that an awesome picture of what teamwork in the church looks like? It's awesome, right? There, there's so much power in teamwork. It makes us strong. And as our, as our giftings and our strengths come together, we have this synergy. We can accomplish God's calling as individuals and as a church. There's so much power in teamwork. I was reminded of this again uh, the other day when a, a flock of geese flew over my yard. You guys have seen the geese lately? Yeah, it's that time of year again, right? But, but geese are amazing creatures. Like, think about the, the V formation that they're flying in. Think about the teamwork that's required. Like, by flying in this V formation, the geese are actually creating an upward air current for the goose right behind them. They're literally creating an uplift for the goose behind them. And, and one author said that by flying in this kind of a formation, the whole flock, it gets 71% greater flying range than if each goose would fly on its own, 71% more. Think about that power. Geese are incredible, right? That's incredible. And then another amazing thing about geese is when, they get, when one gets sick or wounded and falls out of formation, two others will usually fall out of formation with it, follow it to the ground, protect it, and help it until it can fly again. It's awesome. Geese are incredible. And it's like that in the church, right? What an awesome illustration of how it should be in the church because together, when we fly together, we can all go further. We can all go further because we fly together. We can help and strengthen each other. We find relationship. We find strengthening, encouraging, accountability, serving together, belonging to a family who takes care of each other in hard times. These are all things that we need. They're essential if we're going to persevere, if we're going to run the race that God is calling us to. And I think that, that, that coming out of a season a, a tough season as a church with COVID and everything, it's more important than ever to rebuild what matters. This is what we're talking about in this series. It's the heart of the series is rebuild what matters. And I know that this is such a, a fundamental and basic idea, but God wants to remind us as a church, there is power in teamwork. Teamwork matters and we wanna rebuild it. We wanna rebuild it and be strong. I think one of the things that's absolutely essential to this spirit of teamwork is the spirit of unity. And I know these, these go hand in hand, right? And, and Christian unity, it's at the heart of, of a healthy church. I, I specify Christian unity because often we think about unity as this commitment to do good, whether we feel like it or not. Like for the family of God, we do good, whether we feel like it or not. We, we, we think of unity as looking past our disagreements and just deciding to still walk together as a body of believers. And it is that. 
It is that. For sure, it is that. But it actually goes deeper than that. Christian unity goes deeper than that. Christian unity is actually way more than looking past disagreements. It's about loving and honoring each other deeply. Loving and honoring each other deeply. Look at Romans 12, verse 10. It says, love each other with genuine affection. Genuine affection. Take delight in honoring each other. Guys, it's so much more than just an I'll tolerate you and I'll try to look past our differences kind of love. It's more than an I'll, I'll tolerate you kind of love. It's, it's a genuine affection, a deep heart, the, the way that we feel about each other is genuine affection. And it's not just honor, it says take delight in honoring each other. <laughs> Take delight in honoring each other. So not only do we, do we need to honor, we need to, we, need to, we need to take delight in honoring. You see the difference? 1 Peter 1, verse 22, it says it this way, you were cleansed from your sins when you obeyed the truth, so now you must show sincere love to each other as brothers and sisters. Love each other deeply with all your heart. Love each other deeply with all your heart as brothers and sisters. Guys, Christian unity is deep and sincere love, brotherly, sisterly love, not just tolerating each other. It's more than that. And what's amazing is that God blesses this kind of unity. He does, we've seen it, right? I, I think this is one of the reasons why God has blessed this church in so many ways, is because honor and unity has been at the heart of it, and it's been a top priority. It's so incredibly important. God blesses this kind of unity. We see it in Psalm 133, a beautiful Psalm of David. It says, how wonderful and pleasant it is when brothers live together in harmony. For harmony is as precious as the anointing oil that was poured over Aaron's head that ran down his beard and onto the border of his robe. Harmony is as refreshing as the dew from Mount Hermon that falls on the mountains of Zion. And there the Lord has pronounced his blessing, even life everlasting. There's a, there's a lot of symbolism in this chapter. I don't have time to explain all of it, but the bottom line is that harmony and unity is precious. It's refreshing, and God blesses it. If we're going to rebuild as a church, this kind of unity is going to be a huge part this kind of teamwork that comes from a place of deep affection and honor for each other is gonna be a huge part. And so we wanna ask ourselves, is this the kind of unity that I'm walking in? Is this the way that I feel about my brothers and sisters? Because we need this if we're gonna be healthy as a church, right? If we're gonna walk together in one direction, fulfilling the call that God has for us. We need this. So you have an assignment. You have an assignment. Believe in your assignment. <laughs> Don't let hurts or hesitations stop you. Give God your yes. Because we need you. The fields are white. We need you. Everybody, right? We, we, we want to do our part. We want to contribute and build our section in, in this kingdom building that we're called to. And we're gonna do this in teamwork. 
We need each other if we're gonna be strong, if we're gonna fulfill the calling that God has together as a church. We need teamwork, we need unity, a deep kind of love and affection as a body of believers, amen? Thanks for listening. If there's anything we can do to help you along in your journey, email prayer at gmchurch.ca. If you'd like to see what's coming up at Gospel Mission Church or learn more about us, visit gmchurch.ca.